I want to add authenticity to your take. So when it's sold out in the street, you all can know this was a real party. I say what I say when I authenticity on the other hand can only be achieved through a struggle that adores, um, romanticizes, and, and actually makes that messy process a romantic and noble pursuit. We broke out the commandments. Authentic, I'm hand-stitched. I've just started recording. Oh, okay. Yeah, let's just do it. All right, fine. I'll watch Kanye later. All right. What up from Chill and Ambitious, the podcast that points out shit you didn't know was relevant. Very true. And I'm O. And I'm No. And together we make Oh No. Oh No. So yeah, uh, today the shit we're going to get into has to do with both the power of being authentic as well as the struggle to be authentic. Uh, it may seem easier to be yourself, like just do it, right? Uh, but there's actually a lot more to it and uh, it can be actually easier to copy someone else or not put the work into it to figure out who, you know, who the fuck you are. So um, <laughs> our uh, life innovators today are actually phenomenal at this being authentic, especially at a brand level. And, you know, everyone's doing brand today. So, uh, no, who are they? Um, our guests today are the fantastic ladies from Floss Gloss. You will meet them later. We will be discussing a New York Times article uh, about what consumers look for in brands and why their branding is successful. Um, so, according to Julie Napoli, a marketing professor at Curtin University, they she re recently reported... Um, Three dimensions of brand authenticity that <clears throat> her and her colleagues identified. What are uh, these? <laughs> well, I'm glad you asked. They're heritage, sincerity, and commitment to quality. Heritage. Yeah, heritage. I mean, I think heritage is actually pretty relevant in terms of if you look at anything, any even clothing brand, they all say like established, you know, 2000 or like, Absolutely. you know, or why people purchase like, Abercrombie & Fitch has, is like a historical heritage brand. It had nothing to do with what it is now. It, it used to be like the Kennedys wore it and they would go hunting and on safaris. You know, now it's just obviously completely different. Heritage was actually was such a big thing. And I mean, it still is in luxury, but there's a lot of old brands that totally went out of business 50 years ago, but people are buying the rights to it just to be able to claim that this is since 1912. Or yeah. especially actually China is the biggest the whore country, for that. The whole country? Yeah, China. <laughs> well, it's true though. They're like, it's American and it's been around for this long. I don't even know anything about it, but I'm going to be, I'm going to buy it because it has this established name with it. No, and it makes sense because people then, they're like, well, if something's lasted that long and it's relevant that long, it feels, uh, it feels special, right? Or it, gives the appearance of, of being something special. Um, but that's where sincerity comes in because, you know, you can purchase a 100-year-old brand, but if you're not in line with its core message, then people can kind of feel that. My friend Patrick says, even stupid people can feel. <laughs> and that's, that's very insightful. <laughs> it is true. Um, so, yeah, and then obviously commitment Unless to quality. They're a sociopath. But then they feel for... Oh, I think he, when he says even stupid people can feel, it was in regards to the idea of like, we bo both work in fashion and sometimes you purchase like these vintage gowns that are like thousands and thousands of dollars and everyone fawns over them and you try and recreate them exactly and it never works. And that's because it just feels inauthentic. And that's actually what he meant by even stupid people can feel. He's like, even if you're, you don't know anything about fashion, you can kind of look at it and tell that something is missing. Is being fake. Yes. Um, Faux sincerity. Yeah. But with, all of these factors, I mean, we never, I don't think we, we value as much as of a society as like how much our purchasing power, how much purchasing power we have. And so when we're exercising our purchasing power, we're literally buying into a set of values, which is why all of those 
three dimensions are important. In relation to authenticity, there was a study done by Cohn and Wolf in 2014 um, where 87% of global consumers said it was important for brands to act with integrity at all times. We love integrity. It's <laughs> the same thing they say about politicians. The number one thing that people look in politicians is integrity. So what does it what does it mean to people? Like what does integrity what it means to have integrity? Well, this is funny funny enough because the study measures the most authentic brands with positions one to twenty. And in number one, Walmart is number one. They're so sincere at being Walmart. <laughs> they actually are, though. That's the thing is they're so, their Walmart is so Walmart. Um, number two is Starbucks. Number three is Amazon. And then Google, McDonald's, Chick-fil-A, Costco, and Bank of America were all on the list. So um, in terms of being authentic, they actually stick to their beliefs. Like in the case of Chick-fil-A, I guess they are super authentic. Um Bank of America, they're a bank. They are going to take your money. They're going to take all that bailout money. They're fine with that. That's actually, they're being well, authentic they're, in that sense that, that that's the perce- perception. Well, they're stable. They're across the country. I actually have Bank of America because it's the only bank that is in New England, but also on the West Coast. And actually, a lot of them stop at New York, like the national banks. It's literally the only one that I can be pretty much anywhere in America, and there's a Bank of America ready to, to take your money. Yes. <laughs> no, that I mean that makes sense, but like part actually part of that is that they're nationally recognized that they have such volume of product and services. So like that's why you know on a scale of one to twenty, they're all these like na- huge national brands. I'm surprised Coca-Cola wasn't on here. Coca-Cola they they were really big on um oh, what's the name of the phrase. But they're the they're the new ones about being honest about like when people call them out. They've been using it as a great PR opportunity to be well, like, "Hey, well, actually, um, they're gonna try to make it right." This study in this article, they talk about several other brands who have been called out, like Apple, who's on the list, um, and like Target, who's also on the list. About, but it's mostly about when like theft happens, like you know, identity theft. That they're like, "Hey, we got hacked," blah blah blah, and it's like owning up to it, but. To be fair, actually, I have Bank of America, and every time I have fraud, which I've had many times, they're like, here's the money it immediately, no every question. every 30 seconds, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I asked the guy when uh, he was fixing it for me, I'm like, so how often do people come in about credit card fraud? And he's just like, I literally see at least 10 people a day. But I also think that people don't interact with Coca-Cola so much as like most of these places I'm looking at, like they're they're either restaurants or grocery stores or like they provide products that we use absolutely every day. You're not drinking a Coca-Cola every single but day. But it's a global... It's actually the most, I think, is it, it's either that or McDonald's are in like the one and two positions of like the most recognized brand right. worldwide. But in terms of like, you're not like, who do I really trust? Coca-Cola. You're going to be like, I go to Trader Joe's because I love Trader Joe's and they always have well-priced product. Anyway, but in terms of those being national brands... That's More people drink Coca Cola though than <laughs> shop at Trader Joe's. I, do. <laughs> I know you don't, globally, but like, globally, yeah. yes. Anyways, uh, what were you going to say about Trader Joe's? Okay, Trader Joe's is a an example of a really successful um, business that was true to their message, that was authentic, and started out really small. It started out as a small chain of convenience stores in the 1950s. And then the name changed and now and they grew and expanded. And now we all have a Trader Joe's in our city and we all wait in that ridiculous line at the one in Union Square um, to get our well-priced, you know, uh, organic basmati rice. Good food, great price, value is yeah. what they've always been about. It's what got them, you know, they broke into an industry that pretty much was established of, in terms of convenience stores. And they were able to do that because they were offering something different. And when they got bigger, they stayed true to that. Yeah. Um, so all of these businesses started out, they all have to start, every tree starts out as a seed. <laughs> uh, so uh, actually, our guests today are a small business that is competing with the Big players out there. Um, Floss Gloss is such an amazing brand um, of nail polish. Their their greatest strength is their authenticity and their marketing. It's just so 
true to the brand. The visuals are always consistent. They have they retain creative control of everything, and it's really what makes them stand out. Totally. Uh, it's the first thing that I noticed when you introduced them to me. So yeah, uh, let's get rolling and bring our guests on. Did you see the way she got her toes Janine and Aretha from Floss Gloss. Ladies, welcome. Thank you for having us. Hi, thank you for, for being us. here. Thank you. Um, so Floss Gloss, as I went through, is just this badass nail polish company. You should check it out because they're the best. And I was lucky enough to go to school with Janine and Aretha, but I knew I went to the same program as Janine. I remember she was obsessed with nail time. Um, and we would all, she would be like, oh, it's nail time in the studio. Um and you want to tell us That's how true. you guys got started? How how the idea came? That's so true. Fruition. We're there like from, from the very very. I've beginning. been a one since day one. You have been. Wait, did I ever sell you wet? I think you did. I think you bought. I think you were the one. Maybe Janine Middleman that bought the bottle. transaction. Like a, a one of the, the turquoise that we I, did. The Tiffany's mm-hmm. turquoise. I actually did not buy any in college because I didn't know that you were selling them i felt like she bought it but i, I might have way. used it because i used I think, all of your yes. things um, <laughs> um yeah that's it's funny that noelle has been around since we were the beginning the conception of floss gloss when was this this was in college we originally started as just like a a, a crew like it was just like an activity-based um group that happened after class like back at our apartment and we would just watch um reruns of ANTM Tyra and then do nails I was selling this nail polish for five dollars a bottle to Janine and other people at art school um because the the market hadn't expanded in like 2008 and um yeah, I would sell it to them for five bucks and make a little extra cash because there weren't many colors available and it's super easy to mix colors together. And then we started doing nail time and then yeah, Janine bought a business license. We were like, <laughs> we were already friends and then she was mixing these colors and I was like, damn, that's so hot. Like, we've never seen a color like that before because it was before anything wow. had really taken off in the consumer aspect or like or professional in general. 2008, 2009, I think was really yeah. when we started like really hanging out more because we lived really close to each other in San Francisco and then she was already doing that but then we started hanging out it just became a part of our time when we would hang out with each other. So then when my fashion ladies were like, oh, I love that color. Then I would like bring it to school like with me. And then we would just paint nails like in the studio because we were there for like hours our whole life. And yes. um, and so then afterwards, the recession was, after college, recession was terrible. And I was couldn't get a job. I didn't even want the internship that I got offered. Like it was just like really bad. And she was waiting tables since I started bartending to pay my rent in San Francisco, which is also insane. And then she finished school in the spring of 2010. And my dad was like, just take this money and like buy this business license in California. Like I'll just run it for you. And we weren't even thinking it was going to be a business. We were just trying to buy a domain name to put post our nail photos online on our own website. Cause this <laughs> Tumblr was really big and fuck yeah. Nail art was like this big nail art blog and we wanted to get on there. But we just like didn't know. We just wanted to have our own page because we were doing our own thing, and then that's kind of how it started and it just snowballed. Insane. Yeah, Janine called me and she's like, "I just bought a business license with your name on it for the nail polish," and I'm like, <laughs> "Oh my god, hey, what the fuck?" <laughs> that's hilarious. Well, I just included her because I felt like if I didn't include her, we wouldn't be friends anymore. If I didn't include <laughs> oh, her, right? In so if I didn't necessarily call her because I knew she was at work and be like, "Hey." Whoa, so you guys originally got the website just to show off like what you guys were doing during nail time, and then the business part came afterwards? Yeah, because it was just like even more like hobby based like all these everyone was selling on Etsy and stuff yeah they were doing you could sell the stuff and she was already doing it in college so I was like I saw that and was like okay like we could just try to do it like let's just google some manufacturers yeah the market shockingly for color hadn't expanded until like 2010 like right when we started but I I was like mixing colors as a kid in Texas because I hated I was a tomboy there's only red and pink and so I really just wanted turquoise and orange and I'd go to the store and just pour them out. But that was that was like 
in the 90s. And then still to 2009, by the time I meet Janine, there's still none of these colors available. So we were like, okay, well, there's a market for it, obviously. But then like pretty much right when we launched, uh, the market did expand. And now a lot of colors are available, which kind of sucks for us. But I mean, that's what's going to happen. And then we get ripped off left and right on our colors either way, because we're niche. Mm -hmm. So um, yeah, it's yeah, it was, we were doing it and we were like, God, like we're writing our business plan, like 800 pages. And we we're like, oh, we're just trying to get out because like we have this color ready and we, we need to tackle that market. Like there is a, there is a, yeah, there a was like this big us. hole in the market we saw where like, there's no good colors. As consumers. Yeah. It was like a consumer based thing. Cause we were big consumers. Yeah. She has, ton- we both had tons of nail plush. She had like I way had like more 600 than bottles in my room. And the big thing was like all the colors sucked. I'd have to mix my own to get what I wanted. And then the big thing with us, cause we we're in art school was that um, it's a beauty product and the packaging wasn't beautiful. And it just seemed like such a big no brainer. Like OPI has this big, ugly cap. SC is just boring. Like no offense to them, but you know, they're just like not really bringing it with the packaging and coming from design background, both of us were like, oh, this seems so obvious. Let's make it really glamorous so and really good colors and really good formula because there's not a brand that I could say that I want that from mm-hmm. or that I have that from already. And then I want to put on my vanity and display. And the price was also affordable yeah. for like a young 20-something that had yeah. no money and tons of college like student loan debt. If you have like 600 bottles of nail polish in your room, they better look fucking hot with a gold-ass cap. But, That's well, yeah. yeah, you've yeah. seen... In my apartment, there's oh, yeah. like the shelf in there's our living space. room. It's a like a pyramid of floss gloss because it looks so beautiful. And like when my roommates try to put other nail polish there, I'm like, that's not where that goes. <laughs> yeah, <that's laughs> like, but it's it's because it looks like it looks beautiful because of the packaging. And then you try to put something else in there, and I'm like, not gonna happen. No, you it just ruined it my pyramid. It disrupts yeah. the aesthetic. And it's yeah. not even really that hard or expensive to get beautiful no, packaging, which not. is the saddest part. Is they're is. just choosing the most boring, basic, most commercial yeah. aspects as just as much as possible. But those brands that we named, like those big brands, right? That are like they are those are the most recognizable brands for nail polish. Um they you know, they're on a huge commercial level and like have tons of rev- you know, they're making tons of money and we're just bought by <laughs> You know, they're doing like seven reds with Fox News, and we can like <laughs> barely put out a baby pink, but yeah, <laughs> but yeah, but it's like that's as a, on one level, that's where we want to be, even yeah. though it seems so backwards. Because when we got in the game, we were going against everything that seemed really commercial because that wasn't available to us as consumers. But now that we're behind the scenes and the business side, we're like, oh my gosh, like, well, this is the reason why colors go discontinued, this is the reason why they buy cheap packaging, this is the reason why things go like this, and this is the reason mm-hmm. why there are a million reds because. It that's sells, sells because that's what's available because that's what's cheapest because that's what will take less as less time to like produce and to put out there. Which and that's what turns everyone's more comfortable money. with because yeah. no one's really innovative. I'll say one of my favorite things about your product too is um, that like I look at the bottle and I know exactly what it's going to look like when I put it on, which does not happen. That was a big polish. thing when we were writing. That it was, was really big. true to bottle because. Mm-hmm. That was a huge as consumers. It's very misleading, and yeah. in fact, I feel I feel like gypped. I feel duped when yeah. I go and I buy and I spend ten fifty on a bottle of nail polish, and then I come home and it's like it's supposed to be opaque, but it's really sheer and it's <sighs> opaque in like six coats, and then you're just like it doesn't dry for like two days, and then you're like, I have to change my nails. Like this is yeah. there's no point. And I, there was so there was many things that we from do we were like our own focus group really, when we were doing having nail time. And then we were just like, okay, all these things have to change. Like, this is just unacceptable. I can't believe That's this funny, has been going on. That your on. research kind of came before. Well, we were the market. We yeah. are, and we still we are. Still are we the still market. are yeah. the market very much. Wow, that's great. So you get all this insight because you're the market. Yeah. But how did you actualize that? Like, how did you actually make a formula that met your needs, especially on a mass scale? That came with our... With manufacturing. With our manufacturing, which we are like... we pray every day and are so thankful for that because it's made in the US it's made in the Bay Area it's made in the US yeah so we're very proud that like we know what our footprint is and and the impacts and everything like we're not outsourcing like crazy and going overseas like everything is done like in the states except for the packaging is made in Italy but it's through a US company Um, but super old school Italians yeah we got in with some manufacturers and he like saw he was really young when he started and he really enjoyed how young and ambitious Janine and I were and him and his wife kind of like 
business mentors to this day. They're mm-hmm. they're so awesome, and yeah, we couldn't be more like thankful for that. They're like our business yeah. parents. Like they took a chance, a huge chance on us. Yeah, I can't. We're like uh, yeah. twenty three and twenty two, and um, and like no money. And I can't we believe pretended like oh, we I, had hell money. yeah, you got us. Right. Yes. So yeah. that was lesson like number one. Lesson number yeah. one. Pretend like you oh. have a bunch of K's a in the bank. A million dollars. So many commas. Um, but either way, yeah, that was like really awesome that we that they were willing to take a chance on us because honestly, if they weren't if they if they wouldn't have been, we probably would have just been kept getting like non replies. Like we were emailing manufacturers and trying to reach out, and we weren't getting. We was really unsuccessful with trying to get to these places that we knew were manufacturing nail polish, and that was like a legitimate place to go through. And then that wasn't happening, so we did take time in the beginning process to talk to our factory mom and dad about the formula, formula for a long time it was like months because we really told them and really like portrayed <laughs> to them how unhappy we were with like the status of consumer nail polish and they're in the professional nail polish game and they really like told us at, up front first they're like either you go professional or you go retail you can't do both yeah like there's salon or retail salon or retail but there's, there's no like room no for way. another salon when all you have is opi and sc yeah if you go to a salon and it's not there it's like what is this? I'm leaving. Like it's just standard now. Yeah, that's credibility. But it's funny with our manufacturers, we gave them a lot of information from the consumers and um, told them a lot of things about formula that now I feel like they They're use using now. But that's fine because you know we owe them our life. But it's funny because they agreed and like they've also been. So you've also impacted the, I the larger think market. So. Yeah. I feel like we have in there. They run a huge um, export business with nail polish, like all over the world. So they're like definitely um, a credible company. And so we are like, like Aretha said, like we're very thankful that they took a chance to like work with us. But then maybe they also saw it in turn as an opportunity to connect with like a younger market that was like actively using. Yeah, they were like, oh, here's our focus group. They walked right in. But that didn't happen. Um, that only happened through the glass connection through our. Pa- packaging connection. Dude. And that was like me taking a breakfast at 8.30 and 7.45 in the morning with this like 60-year-old woman, 65-year-old woman in like at a Marriott <laughs> over an omelet. And I was on this like weird diet, so I didn't even eat. And she was like, what is wrong with you? But um, <laughs> but yeah, she was like, I like you. Uh, but yeah, they do Revlon, Dury, Milani, all like the big top consumer brands um, that are available like widely in like drugstores and stuff. So it's the glass, the glass company. Yeah. So that was like awesome that, um, then she was like, you should look up this guy. And then, so it was just all referral networking. So important. And then being passionate, obviously people, because you're putting your reputation on the line whenever you refer someone. So having completely, you know, Mm -hmm. have, have being passionate and people seeing that in you, they're more willing to take a chance on you. Also, as long as you can pay, like shouldn't turn down a sale, no matter what the person looks like. That's Billionaires walk up in the sweatpants at Nordstrom. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Can't be judging the book by its cover. No. when you down shit. I floss on my off days. Fuck what they all say. Niggas can't stop me with rumors. I'm too strong all day. Socks exploding. Sweatpants pockets bulging. Holding it down on the corner of my block closing. I mean, we so we wrote, we ended up going from manufacturing being like, great, we have manufacturers that are willing to work with us with no trade history. So now we have to get money and we have to have investment like, thousands of dollars to like make this happen. So so, so we wrote a business plan, yeah. a financial plan and sold shares of the company to mm-hmm. investors and which wasn't got, easy. Yeah, not at all. This is where the, the fun ends. Yeah. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. Um the business plan and all that stuff like is definitely like they said like is not the fun part when you're like investing. That was like the worst. We were like thing, writing but. it for a year, the business and the financial plan after getting the business license so much before crying. we even anything happened. We were like writing a business plan for a full year. We sent ourselves to like Google business school. What? Wait, did you say you went to business school? Um, no, neither of us went to business school, but no, um, business school. once we realized that we had to write a business plan and financial plan in order to get money we had to send ourselves to business school to be able to approach people and even speak about. But she means on Google.com, not yeah. like oh, yeah. we didn't send ourselves to school yeah, like yeah, and yeah. take classes. We were like bartending and waiting tables, and then we were like researching during the day on Google. 
like what's like basically business for dummies. Like what's, how do we structure our business plan? Looking at case studies, like just doing all that research. We knew that we didn't have any knowledge of, but we, when you're asking a 60 year old man for money and it's like, you're asking for $10,000, they want to know where that $10,000 is going to go and what the return is going to be like and all that stuff. So we had to really put ourselves through, we had to self-educate really a lot to get to that point. It's still really hard. Especially We're both way more creative and it's a struggle, but after like a year of begging people to take a risk, um, we got not enough, but we, well, we got enough for to, to start. The minimums in cosmetics and big business are so high. So um, we got like as much as we could cover for the minimums to do starting from the most, the highest minimum was 60,000 for one of our items. And then going from there, um, we were undercapitalized when we started. Super. But we had enough. But we had enough yeah. to like start the first run. So then to do which, but that was like really, that we was, got like the whole part was forty thousand bottles of um, nail polish, like originally sent to my shitty ass apartment in Oakland, mm-hmm. like stacked um, in my bedroom. It was insane. Like it was literally ceiling, insane. Forty thousand like, bottles. We had to hire movers in Oakland, and they were like, "What is this?" <laughs> Because it was just like boxes and boxes. It was like heavy. And they thought it was like drugs completely. Like we were just moving in drugs. But we were just like, they're lady drugs. Nail polish. But we lady drugs. We had to decide, you know, when we were doing, when we bought all the pieces, we were really investing in the product because we had to start with a range of nail pol- of colors. We can't just come out with like one collection. So that was like, oh, sorry. We had like a lot of. And, um, if, and if you want to do it like proper, you can't just like mix it in your bathtub oh, and yeah. make like a hundred bottles. Like that's a big, you need it to be quality control. That's a big deal, right? We couldn't go through, through making it ourselves and hiring. Because we want a consistent product. We wanted to to compete with the bigger with the big brands players, yeah. and to actually be taken seriously. And we couldn't we couldn't have been doing that if we were just like doing it ourselves yeah. and trying to manufacture it our, alone, you know, like in her apartment but or in our But doing it yourselves, we could have had like a way lower and done it with way less money, but mm-hmm. but it wouldn't have been wouldn't as, have been as professional exactly. of a product. So that was really that was like the key factor number one was finding that manufacturing. That was like the biggest thing. Yes, yeah, so, so we I, had to get the yeah. money. Um, and then we hired PR for the first um, like at the very beginning, which is probably one of the minimum. one of the best things we did for the minimum because we were convinced that we wouldn't have able to get the platform and like the spotlight on our brand without hiring PR to really like elevate that and we knew that we were new we didn't want to sell anything to anyone before we got PR and got in front of like all the publications yeah it seemed like the the best use of um of our startup capital yeah like we have all this product we can't just sit on it we need to like so we did a minimum with a PR agency to shop it around here in New York you guys were in Vogue we were we came into desk sides in August of 2012 and the after we left the Teen Vogue meeting, the desk side, we were on teenvogue.com like four hours later, which That's was awesome. incredible. And so that was like after we'd pitched men in for their money for the last like six months, like going into walking into a meeting with these like really influential women at a huge like global publication and they're immediately putting their us online and they're Roundup for new beauty products, we were just like, okay, I don't think this is going to be as hard as it's been for the last like nine months. Like we were literally crying like every day. Like it was, it was horrifying. Um, but then and when you're selling it to women, it's, it's just like an, it's, it was easier for us because we'd already been through hell, so to speak, trying to sell it to a man. So selling it to women was like yeah. effortless. Selling it to investors and not usually selling it to the market. But then once we got to the market, it was yeah. chill. But it was funny because when all that nail polish came to my house, we didn't have any employees until last April still. So um, our employee is actually not an employee. It's a fulfillment center. But um, we were packing all the orders ourselves up until last April. So the first two and a half years of the business. And um, we'd order things from like Uline, which is like business supplies for shipping. And they'd be like dropping it off at this house, like Very knocking on the door, like where are we? And just be doing it from wherever, her kitchen, my bedroom, numerous places, apartments, never, still not an office, but wherever we could find like a desk. Yeah. A clean surface. I apologize to all of the orders that might've gotten cat hair in there and the first orders that we sent out. Yeah. My first, my first delivery had a really cute handwritten. Note. Yeah. We did a lot of, we did handwriting all up until January of 2014. Yeah. We were we personally packing everything. those orders Customer with these service, fucking nails. Customer like, service. Yeah, their nails are, ridiculous especially Aretha's like <laughs> 12 okay feet 12 feet long often with with uh 
piercings in them. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes found on Reddit. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Sometimes the most ridiculous nails you've ever for, seen. For what the fuck, right? Which is like a weird Reddit category that's like that's sometimes so cool, funny. but sometimes really weird. Um, so you talked about how you hired PR in the first place at the beginning mm-hmm. when you launched. Yes. Um, but now you guys do all your own branding, right? We did all of our own branding from the beginning. Like we hired PR honestly to just get a leg up on like the other brands that were out there to compete. PR is like um, buying someone with a phone that has a Rolodex. It's like you you don't get anything from them except for they have the number to the editor and they give you an appointment. We also didn't really want them interfering with any of our branding because we're like, who is this person? They don't know really. We're just hiring them. They don't really know who we are and what we're about. And this is the this we is the like most delicate time, the most the yeah. first impression of our brand. Well, you want to make sure that you're leading with the three dimensions of authenticity, being yes. sincerity, uh, heritage. Um, and yeah, absolutely. Well, our heritage is questionable. We're not established <laughs> in 1912. <laughs> no, but you are established in the time. I think that's you guys are so relevant because you're so of the time. Like even your branding is so like it's kind of like it's loud. It's really fun. It's it's really kind of if like if you hung out with Janine and Riri, it would be <laughs> basically it would what it like is. That. I know. Yeah. It's, well, that's that's why I'm saying it. But we didn't want them touching that. We didn't yeah. want our PR we team. We didn't let them. We didn't. We, we did like a minimal plan where they could only like schedule no appointments Facebook for us. Facebook posts for us. No tweeting. No nothing. We were just like we just like wanted all control over what we were saying and how we were presenting ourselves from the beginning. We didn't want it to seem really like cookie cutter or or already done, you know, like very, like we just needed to be ourselves because that's really what was selling. We needed to sell our authenticity for sure. And so that's really how we started getting this crazy little cult following. Hell yeah. And then you even have the third one, commitment to quality. That was the biggest thing, which is why we had to go through the big manufacturing, which is why we had to go through the mass marketing, which is why we decided after we bought 40,000 bottles of nail polish that these were the colors we could die with if it didn't sell because we were just like convinced <laughs> that if it didn't sell that we would have a good rainbow This is my color. Spectrum. Yeah, we'd have some good ones. We'd have some good ones that we could deal with. We'd always joke about like, oh, we're just going to be building a house on an island somewhere out of, of all of our polish. nail polish because we didn't know how it was going to sell at all, right? We had no idea. But um, we ended up like was really positive with the PR and the dust sides we did at the very beginning. So we got a little bit of press at the beginning and some momentum. And then... Actually, as soon as we yeah. got that, we quit because we didn't have... We were undercapitalized, so we could only do the minimum. And then just kind of like saw what they did the and tried PR. to do it herself because yes. we'd been doing that for a couple of years now like trying to do things we didn't know how to do mm-hmm. and it was working so yeah. um, so we, we just divorced our PR company to their dismay and <laughs> um, and then we just started tackling it ourselves but it was basically what we were doing before but then we were trying to just reach out to these beauty editors and stuff on our own but you know anything personally. like New York Everyone moves yeah. around, especially in publication. People jump around like every minute. It seems like so keeping track of. But what about now. social media? You get to like the the kind of like most amazing thing about social media is like the unprecedented access to individuals. Like you can, you know, tweet at Barack Obama Completely. if you want. He yeah. doesn't have to tweet back, but like, yeah, but you can tweet yeah. to them <laughs> totally. <laughs> well, that's what we were doing. Yeah, right? and your Instagram is crazy. It's like you know, like your own nails, and then you know fans, nails, and whatever. So people can be like, oh, who are these girls? And they'd be like, whoa, I'm into this. Yeah. 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 Instagram is is so crucial to our brand. And I think if we had been out earlier and it wasn't around, Mm -hmm. it'd have been a lot harder because it's this huge free advertising platform. Yeah. It's literally free advertising. We have, everyone's got it in their pocket and we can post for free. And then people take pictures of their nails with the, our brand on it, and they like us to regram it and repost it. Yeah, and it it's all free, and it's it's, it's definitely beneficial. one of our biggest um, platforms for sure. That and Tumblr because it's so visual, and people don't read anymore, so it's just all visual. That's all <laughs> yeah. they need. Um, yeah, like I look at your shit, and there's this haphazardness wild. to it, and you know, like it's clearly been Photoshop, like you don't try to even clean up the lines and things like that. Like it, yeah. All yeah. the pixelations all adding up. Like I can't, couldn't have really imagine a corporate company. And then the big companies um, are like, sure, signing I off on that. that. Yeah. Let's pretend like, 
Well, like a good example is Mrs. Vicky's and Frito-Lay. Like Frito-Lay started another brand called Mrs. Vicky's to pretend like they were niche, but it's actually owned by Frito-Lay, but it's like supposed to be so old grandma that's making these chips, (laughs) but it's not. It's a Frito-Lay. You see it on the, if you look on the back. That's what you're talking about with like the faux. Yeah, the it's hard though it's hard to know if it yeah if it's a big brand doing it yeah. and tricking you or if it's yeah. actually so, so constantly people think that we just we're just employed by the brand like we'll be out at our events and they're like oh so you work for Flossless we're like no we, we're the brand owners we own the brand like, <laughs> they don't believe they don't us they don't believe it. they think that we're lying that we're like a street team or something because we're like Young, where they're their age or they yeah. were younger than them or something and they're like confused like how could how could you be oh okay and then they immediately want to know how it happened what's the deal and i feel like and that's kind of what this podcast is about like sustaining yourself and your business and what you like to do and your passion and honestly it's just been like it's been really hard work and good timing and just like sheer luck sometimes for sure. And also just like being innovative, like seeing a yeah. hole and filling it. Yeah. And that, and we try constantly to stay forward. And as designers, I feel like we were just conditioned to feel that way. Like what's the next best thing? How can we tweak this? How can we change this? What, how can we make this better? And that's something that stems from our original you know, education and stuff. So that's definitely feeding into what we're doing. So we're always trying to jump higher. Like, how can we jump higher? And our brand is only really, since we've been in the marketplace, like four years old, three years old. But the one drawback is the money. That's like the biggest thing, is like not having enough capital to really like do what you want to do. You have to like turn the product to make the sa- you know, to make the sales to get that more revenue. But then at the same time we're trying to compete with these bigger these brands. Big because players could kill us in a second. Because our press elevates us to the point where like they look like we're competing at the same level mm-hmm. uh, with the money, but we right. don't have but the same backing. The same or the same employees. They're seeing it. They're taking all our ideas and registering it. They're trolling like OPI follows us on Twitter and stuff. Like they're not yeah. even quietly trolling. They're literally just getting from us and so it's it's every day is really scary because like a big company we're like so little and they're so fucking big they're like a billion dollar industry l'oreal and they could just like completely our entire line in one season like it wouldn't even cost them and us we'd have to like how how big is your company now you said you got an employee no we have no employee she was saying we have an employee because she's referring to our fulfillment center in san jose that picks packs and ships all of our orders for us. Which we is, don't pack the orders anymore. So which that's is our, our employee. Biggest, it's one of our biggest employees. Yeah. Or like our expense. Or one of our biggest expenses. Because we just physically can't run the business and pack all the orders anymore and save on that cost. So you have to like make way for that expense and budget for that as well as we when we quit our jobs and we're paying ourselves completely off the business. We have like this big overhead now. Even though we don't have a, stu- a brick and mortar or a studio or anything that we pay money to, we have um, a fulfillment center that's like crucial to our brand and then all- to our business. And then also we have to pay ourselves because we're the only ones running it. So yeah, first it was like, how do you, how do we pay ourselves? Okay, well we have to sell enough nail polish every month mm-hmm. to make this much to pay ourselves. And then for fulfillment, we're like this huge thing. But when you have like big orders, like over a hundred pieces. Mm-hmm. And it started when the volume takes off, then you physically can't fulfill the orders anymore. You have to make that money sacrifice and pay for it. Yeah, it's kind of like becoming then more going more to the entrepreneurial side than than like just Just doing it because you can't. Well, no, it's just like you're like doing it yourself so you don't have to employ someone, but then that takes away from you growing Mm -hmm. as an entrepreneur. That's exactly. why you have to quit your job and you have to commit 100%. Because also your investors like, or how are you going to give 100% to this? I give, give you all thousands of dollars and you're still working a day job. And that you can't focus completely on the task at hand. Which is why we took the big leap. And it was really scary. And it's been the most the scariest thing that we've done since we've been a, like, been a business is divorcing our food, food service jobs and our security net because we had to My commit. dad always says you can always get another job. Oh, very course, you can always yeah. earn more money. Yeah, you just can't always do what you want to do. No, completely. And yeah. so, and you have to make sacrifices. Like Janine yeah. and I, um, we decided we know we don't like it, but we know, and we've known for a while that for the first 
five to six years of owning a small business, we are going to be at the poverty line personally. And there's really nothing we can do about it because it's a 24-hour job. And if we got waiting tables at night, then we couldn't do the things at night because Europe is ordering at night or someone's doing this. Like, no, it's kind of, the world doesn't no. sleep. You're, we're an international the company. The internet doesn't sleep. Yeah. That's the biggest thing. So you have thing. to be like, okay with ramen. Damn, so like your daily lives, like how, like is there a structure? No, we definitely try to have like a corporate, a corporate style structure. I mean, we're not a corporate um, or super commercial company. We're more of a creative art-based company, but we, we have hours and we go to work for certain hours and we try to work like, you know, the typical like eight hour shift for the most part, but it's always, it's it's always always more responsive. Like something will come up and we have to deal with it. Yeah. There's no other choice. So. Like you like you can really we need we don't turn on our automatic reply or something if we're going out of town. Like it's always on. So we're just like you're constantly going, but it is responsive. It we is wear like, like eight hats a day. Yeah, like literally we have like that. fifteen job descriptions a day, like uh be a photographer, a hand model, I'll be an accountant. Yeah. Um, <laughs> finance. Finance, Accounts. a salesperson. Like literally Receiving. everything. Do either and we don't either have, you have yeah. you know more specific roles. We, we have certain we have, roles. We definitely have roles. We're yeah. defining that more as those are becoming more that. defined. And we are. We're working on it because it's hard, it's hard. to know in the beginning, like, oh, who's going to be more in charge of finances? Who's going to be more in charge of, like, um, in you know, intake? Or, like, um, it's just, it's very, like... Who's going to be the correspondent for this person? It comes gonna, It comes up yeah. as, the, as the, you know, the, as it comes up. Like, it's just kind of like, okay, now I'm, I'm more responsible, personally, like, I'm more responsible for, like, um, business, <laughs> business, business side. You know, I do more back, back office, like back admin. And Aretha does more of the creative side. So she talks more with the factory. She talks more with our glitter distributors and suppliers, you know, like, which you've won awards for your glitter nail polish. Yes. yes. Which are beauty award winning <laughs> glitter formulas because they're incredible. That was another no brainer. It's like, um, yeah, you Good buy coverage. something that looks in the bottle really glittery and you're like, oh, I want glittery nails. And then you put it on and there's like two pieces of glitter <laughs> after two coats. So we just duh. You know, it was just like, like duh. let's get some yeah. denser glitters going. Yeah. So like what what is the most rewarding thing about all of this for you? You know, you go through all these struggles, like what keeps you going when you hit Pers- those walls yeah. and you just personally push I feel like the through. most rewarding thing for me is reading the customer reviews when they're really like I'm only using your product because I love the brush and I love the quality, like whatever they say, but they're they're and they're being honest and you're just like, okay, this is why we're in the game because there's someone out there that like really has all the same gripes that we had about polish. Like it doesn't dry fast enough. It doesn't look cute. It goes on, you know, really shitty or like it's a, and it's really expensive. So when someone really recognizes what we're really putting out there and they really get down with that, I'm like, yes, this is why we're in the game because validation. They vali- it validates that we're not in here just doing it and we ourselves and, yeah or do yeah for ourselves or like taking all this money that we're never going to return or like you know like those yeah. things that you think about on a day-to-day basis but that is meaningful when you get those sincere feedback that's like they get you yeah they're part of your tribe totally like. exactly they're definitely in our they're on our team so that was that's for me that's the most rewarding i think personally do you yeah that's super rewarding like um when someone you've been a fan of for years like Sophie Robson we used to idolize and she was a big uh, celebrity nail artist and then when we hit her up she like knew about us and was like I love y'all and I was like holy <laughs> shit that's yeah. so cool but I think the most validating thing for me personally was when we were at the dollar store the other day and there was clean oh, color this is a big deal this though. is big there okay there was a clean color which is like the og dollar store brand for 99 cents and they had a neon green that looked exactly like our cone limon and it even had a lime name yep. and i was like poof, made, made it, it to the dollar store we like we're already it. all the way trickled to the entire bottom like the big guys they already ripped yeah, off yeah you're limon, in the like late years majority ago. This is the devil wears Prada moment for us you guys we're at some dollar store bin and we're yeah. like this is our color like that's hilarious we, we're the we reason people this, want this, this we yeah. are we're two years later and it's at the dollar store readily available on knickerbocker avenue in your local Brooklyn beauty supply store. And but that is just proof that people wanted yes. something other than red. Well shit. That really is the devil wears Prada moment. What you don't know is that that sweater is not just blue. It's not 
turquoise, it's not lapis, it's actually cerulean. And you're also blithely unaware of the fact that in 2002, Oscar de la Renta did a collection of cerulean gowns. And then I think it was Yves Saint Laurent, wasn't it, who showed cerulean military jackets? I think we need a jacket here. Mm. And then cerulean quickly showed up in the collections of eight different designers. And then it uh, filtered down through the department stores and then trickled on down into some tragic casual corner where you no doubt fished it out of some clearance bin. Uh, except sub Oscar de la Renta for Foss Gloss. It is. And that is that is very validating. That's a yeah, very good point. That felt so good, even though it kind of sucked because they like totally ripped us off and like we don't have nearly the distribution. They're probably making so much money off our ideas than we are. But yeah, it's cool because we feel really good about it. <laughs> it's, it but it's, it's very true because there yeah. was nothing. There was no Coleman. Because yeah, when we're... No. Even like five, 10 years ago, there wasn't that. Yeah. Let so alone we, when now, I was a child. So, so like, when we see it, we're like, oh, I see you. We see you. We're like us. we did that. Yeah. So it's it's just good. It's it's nice to know that it's flattering in a way, right? But at the same time, it's like God, they just have so much money that we if we had more money, we could be we could be blowing their minds. But, but we're we, working on it. But we're yeah. working on it. Yeah. We are. Yeah. We are. It's a slow climb. It's slow. I it's feel a marathon. Like it is. A it is. It's a marathon, and I'm. I feel like I have this crazy drive, and I just. Roger Aretha with me like we're the pedestrians on the cross sign and I'm the Janine, mom and she's the baby and I'm like running Janine through life Janine is the most ambitious driven person I've ever met in my life like, so the plan is to just to keep what we're doing just keep just retain creative control yes, and, and just like keep going and then just find distribution and like increase sales well right that's the biggest thing so you thing. guys can do what you're good at yeah, yeah. So that's what we want yeah those are your, let yeah. other people that's our strong suit I mean we've been trying but it's like a lot of like winging it and that's just like okay, but then but, you yeah. also like learn from all of it you know like yeah, maybe the first time it's winging in it. And the then first the time? And now we Always. learn so much that we're like, I actually want to do that myself because if we hire this photographer that they're going to cut off the nails and the picture's not going to be exactly what we see. Or like, I'm going to write this myself because if we hire someone to do it, yeah. they're not going to write it as well. We're like slightly control <laughs> I mean, I'll just like but a little bit. you love it, it but seems it, because like. Because the brand kind of like, it's really it's an you. extension of you too. Yeah. Really. Yeah. No, it, it is. is completely. And that's why I feel like people like, fuck with us because they're like they would be friends it's relatable, yeah. I, it's relatable and I feel like I, I honestly customer service is like my biggest thing like yesterday at lunch I even said like I like customer service because I want to provide the best possible customer service to my customers like ever like so I respond ridiculously quick you can text floss gloss and I Janine's customer service is out of line dude <laughs> but you can text those way. at any hour you, and I probably would respond just because like it's it's important to me that like that's a big deal customer that is services. your edge though customer yeah no other businesses really have, have doing like, that yeah so the you market can, texting you about it they'll be like what does this color look like and or Janine they'll will be like what is it it's me <laughs> yeah, they'll be like so cute yeah, yeah. no I, it's just I can talk to them and if I can talk to them then I can probably sell them so I'm just like talk to me or like text me and I'll probably like help you out and then give you an incentive to keep buying and I feel like relating and I would never I always say this I would never want one of my girlfriends to be unhappy with, with the product they got. So if like, let's say Noelle was like unhappy as a customer, like I don't know you and you're like, I'm so bummed. And I'd be like, oh my God, no way. Like we'll send you a new bottle. We'll give you like, you know, we'll send you the new bottle immediately. Don't send anything back. Like keep the other one, give it to your aunt that you don't like. I don't know, you know, whatever. Um, but we try really hard to, inf- to enforce that at all times because customer service would keep people like coming back. So, and be- when they feel like it, they're a peer and they're not, customer it also is really beneficial because then they feel even more strongly about preaching floss gloss to other people and that's like how that's the referral game you know yeah. getting our product out there i mean if if i knew certain companies only had two employees i would try to buy as much from them as possible you know i would try to support that knowing that because everyone's i mean it's all just owned by like it's just like all one big walgreens <laughs> you know favorite selling point we only <laughs> have two employees we yeah, yeah, I would love to support all businesses that can play with the big players that are that small. I would love to find a list of those yeah. companies because <laughs> there's very very few left, and it's harder and harder. I was who are you talking about? But, um, but like it's scary too. Like less and less people want to do it because these big conglomerates are just buying it all to the point where there's not going to be anyone that even tries anymore. Well, you guys are fucking doing it, and it's incredible to see that just because you understood a market better than these CEOs of these billion dollar companies who are so far removed from the actual people using their products, that that was enough of an edge 
for you guys to not only play ball with them, but like you're influencing these markets and you're changing the way a uh, product is being made, which is fucking awesome because you also uh, know was telling me that you guys make nail polish as non-toxic as it can be. Uh, you have really high ethical standards for your product. Yes, we're, we're definitely conscious about the toxic aspects that come hand in hand with the with nail polish as a paint or like a beauty product in general so it was again a no-brainer for us to go you know our factory also does not test on animals they wear the animals that they're testing on really Mm -hmm. um it's tested on us it's tested on us so it's it's cruelty free there's no animal byproducts there's and it's vegan friendly so not tested on any animals and then um, we do it five free so there's no None of the common five chemicals, that, the big ones that you find in most really low-end nail polish. So there's no formaldehyde, no DVP, no tooling, no camphor. So that's also a really big plus. So you can use yeah. it if you're pregnant. For years, nail polish was like notorious for having formaldehyde and formaldehyde resin. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and that obviously is not good and it's on your hands, but... Um, in your mouth, on your face. I'm so deathly allergic to formaldehyde. Yeah. I like pass out if I'm near it. Like... I feel like I remember this from college. Strange. Yeah. No, it's it's disgusting. Yeah, we wouldn't actually. I mean, we're gonna. Yeah. We are the market, so and it smells. Yeah, and it smells, and so it smells way stronger. We have a professional grade formula, so we have like we have long lasting power. But we have the chemist somehow has come up with this formula to like not use any of those bad chemicals, but still give you like a great product. So we're very proud of Floss Gloss, and we hope that we can maintain that brand authenticity and um you know we will only get to be riding on jet skis in the sunset if you buy floss gloss <laughs> <laughs> support local business support, support your support your local so small support business. your o- local online business yeah but you can buy you can also support floss gloss by buying it at your local floss gloss retailer and if you don't have a local floss gloss retailer please email us and tell just us where text you want janine it. she'll meet you <laughs> just literally text janine she'll meet you on the block it's been done before it has and okay. it will be done in a paper bag yeah that's the biggest thing though i want to know where people want it people are always asking for it it's these random remote cities and locations and i'm like well tell us and start asking for it at your stores so they can ask us and we can like sell it to them or we can try to like reach out to you and connect and stuff but you can definitely buy it on flossgloss.com um curated shades on nastygal.com and urbanoutfitters.com and then in store at ricky's and birchbox birchbox um, so yeah, we're definitely trying to like be available more widely available because you need to see it in person. Yeah. It's hard to buy colors online. See to believe. Well, you guys are definitely chill and really fucking ambitious. Deneen like took that motivational poster that said you can do anything you want if you just try to heart. And it's cool. She's the only person I met that really did that, but she literally did like, she can do anything she wants. She'll just like watch a YouTube tutorial or like Google it. It's true. The internet can, you can do anything. Y- you really can't. your teacher. Yeah. Well, thank you, so much. Thank you guys so much for coming on the show. Thanks, Thanks so for much. having us. Yeah. Thank you. Um, so for show notes and links um, to all this fantastic Floss Gloss products, um, check out website www.chillandambitious.com. Uh, yeah, where you can find the show notes, nerd out on that. Find bonus material, um, also uh, our Twitter and our Instagram, as well as the Periscope, where we get to interact with you guys, which is super fun, and get secret interviews. And so, yeah. thanks for hanging. Bye. Bye. Is it a dream, a dream, though it's harder to live? They gonna love me for my ambition. A dream, a dream, though it's harder to live.